Hey guys, it's Suli. Welcome back to Trauma and Healing Go Hand in Hand. Today's episode will be a continuation of my first one. This will have a trigger warning since it will be talking about more of my trauma. So please listen to this cautionary tale with caution. I'm going to start with one of the things that I think I like it reached when I heard it again, it like caught my attention. It was when I said that when the person you love the most looks at you like you're a broken object that needs to be fixed. What I meant by that, I didn't mean anything bad by it. I didn't mean that it was wrong to be broken because it is okay to be broken. I think for me, what it meant was that I couldn't handle the way he looked at me or the way I thought that he was perceiving me at that moment in time. And by all means, it is okay to be broken. It is okay to feel like your life is not put together. There is nothing wrong with feeling like you're in 20,000 pieces and you don't know how to put yourself back together. For me, I feel like it was because of the pain that it was causing me for him to know things that he did not need to know, at least not if I didn't tell him than anything else. I feel like it's caused a lot of pain through our relationship, even now that we're parents, I don't think now as much as we're par- when we're parents than before we were dating and prior to us getting married, I feel like it caused a lot of pain because I didn't talk to him about it. I didn't want him to know. It was a part of my life that I didn't want him to know because I wanted him to keep me in in a perfect sense, in a way that he would see me, not he would see me as with just the trauma itself. Like, I know that after he found out what happened, and it wasn't by me, my mother had told him, he started seeing me for my trauma and not for the person I could be away from my trauma. And I guess that's what triggered me to feel like being broken wasn't okay at that moment in time. I am not ashamed to be broken. I am 25 now, and I can tell you that, yes, I am still broken. Talking about certain things still hurt me. A lot of things trigger me. I don't like loud noises as much anymore but I learned that it is okay to hurt it is okay to be broken because you will fix yourself even if that means it takes you 10 years even if it means it takes a whole entire lifetime of your life to be able to fix yourself and that is okay because healing takes time but like I heard recently you don't heal with time. It's what you do with that time that heals you. I know everybody says that time heals all. And I I can live by that. But that saying stuck with me because it isn't wrong. Time doesn't heal you. It's what you do with that time that heals you. How you deal with, with the pain you're feeling or the emotions you're feeling at that moment in time. And I think for me, being broken at 18 or 17 or 19 was hard because I wanted to be in one piece and I couldn't be because I didn't want to process my feelings because I didn't want to process that I was in pain. And I was so busy carrying the weight of the world on my shoulders that I realized that I wasn't really who I wanted to be. It took me a while to be comfortable with who I wanted to be. I'm 25 now, I'm more comfortable with who I want to be than I was back then. I appreciate him 
for being part of my life, for showing me that it is okay to be broken, even though I wasn't okay with it at that moment in time. We might not see eye to eye on a lot of things even now, but he is one of the closest friends I had for a long period in my life. I've known him, I've known him since I was 17. I'm 15 and I'm 25 now. I've known him for practically 10 years. And obviously, because we have a child together, I will continue to know him for the rest of my life. He's there when I need someone to talk to about the pain that I went through. He understands it. Not as much as he's never been through it, but he's been through his own type of trauma as well. And I feel like I was a little bit stronger because he was around. I walked away from things I never thought I could walk away from. At 19, I walked away from everybody in my family, including my mother. I realized they were toxic and them being toxic wasn't gonna get me anywhere. It was only gonna cause more pain and more trauma and I wasn't okay with it. Does it hurt that in the process of finding myself, I lost my family? Yes, but I was okay with it because sticking around around them meant that I had to pretend to be something I wasn't and I'm not okay with that. At least for my end, I'm not. It is not okay for you to pretend to be something you're not in your life to avoid hurting those that you care about the most. But before you take me the wrong way, I don't mean it in a sense of relationship, wise. I mean, it's just in general. Don't hide you who you are from anyone because you are amazing the way you are. I think the second thing that like, re- like clicked with me on my last, on my first episode was that I told you guys that when people want to push you away and walk out of your life, you let them go. What I meant by that was You let them go because they have provided you everything they can. But promise me, because you let them go, it doesn't mean you hate them for it. Because you can't hate them for for it. They left because it was their time. And that is okay. And I know sometimes letting go of people is hard. I also don't mean push everybody out of your life that's important to you. Because those people that stick around must show you that the world can be different. Even if it scares you, even if it terrifies you. Trust me, healing will come. It will take time, but it will come. And with life, sometimes you got to take it one day at a time. One hour at a time or one one foot in front of the other. I was going to say one step in front of the other, but that didn't make any sense. I've spent most of my childhood and some part of my adult life running from my issues. Because I thought facing them meant I was scared to feel that pain. And in the process, I started testing people to see if they were gonna stay. And when I realized that testing them wasn't getting me anywhere, I ended up losing amazing people in my life because I tested them and they weren't okay with the fact that I tested them. That was my mistake though. I've learned to do that to weed out, I guess, the people in my life that I think are not worth my time. 
I'm not proud of it, but that is one of the coping mechanisms I used as until I was recently because I realized that it wasn't okay to do that to people because they don't deserve to be measured with the same stick that somebody else in your past did. Because if you measure every single person that walks into your life now with the trauma or the pain you went through with some other person, it is not fair. You're not giving them a fair chance to be part of your life. And it's not fair to you or them in general. I said a long time ago that I would stop doing it. And a couple months ago, I did it without meaning to. And I lost someone that I cared about a lot. Though that person is still my friend now, I feel like we I strained our friendship because of it. And I'm not proud of it. But I learned that it wasn't okay. And when you spend your whole entire life either being tested by the people you care about or testing the people you care about, you think that's okay. <clears throat> and I feel like that isn't okay. Because you break everyone in your life trying to figure out who's going to stay and who's going to leave. I think... Now I'm in a mentality where if it happens organically and you decide to leave organically, then I'm okay with that. And I will not force you to stay. I will open the door, like I said in my first episode, and let you walk out. I will thank you for the memories you gave me, whether that be good, bad, in between. Why? Because you taught me something. Whether I'm okay with letting you go or not, you taught me something. You taught me patience. Um, You taught me how to deal with things. You taught me how to grow from the pain. But you, at the end of the day, gave me a lesson I didn't know I needed a couple months ago. So I will let you go with a smile on my face, even if it breaks me a little bit. My trauma for me is still hard to talk about because I have blocked practically my whole entire childhood from the time I was six to the time I was 17, give or take, of my life because it was painful and I'm not proud of it. But I guess we deal with trauma differently. I think one of the most scariest things in my life for me was the first time my father grabbed me by the neck and pinned me against the wall and started to constrict my airway. It was scary because my niece was in the other room. Mind you, my niece is older than me um, because I have older siblings. And she didn't do anything. She pretended like she couldn't hear me. I guess losing air. I guess my brothers and my family decided that as long as, even though they heard it, as long as they didn't see it, they didn't have to do anything about it. And that hurt because I was the youngest of them. They needed as much protection as they could give me, and they didn't want to protect me. At least that's what I think. The only reason I got away from completely losing my airway is because he like moved a little bit and he lost the grip that he had on my throat and then I fell to the ground and I ran away and I ran into my room with my niece and then my dad came into the room trying to catch me and hit me and my niece didn't allow that like she told him to leave and cool off or whatever I don't really remember why he tried like why he tried to choke me that first time I think it was more because I was being disrespectful or trying to protect myself from the fact that he was drinking Because my father had to think of drinking on every single weekend when my mom was at work. So it was like, I got tired of it. And I was like, I can't deal with this anymore. So I started 
acting like I could protect myself, which at that moment in time I realized was not the smartest thing to do. Don't instigate a drunk person. Please don't do that because you don't know how they'll react. I don't think I was instigating per se. I was more like, leave me alone. I, I don't want you to touch me. I don't want you near me. And he took that as a, you're not going to listen, then I'm going to force you to listen type of situation. My father was uh, very aggressive when he was drunk. I got bruised very easily. I still do get bruised very easily. I feel like if you punch me or hit me hard enough, you'll see a bruise form on my arm in the next hour. And then you'll be like, yeah, you're going, it's a, a joke that everybody used to say is like, you bruise so easily. It looks like you go through domestic abuse every single day. Mind you, it was not a funny joke, but I still laughed because nobody in school knew what was going on back home. Every time my dad left me a bruise where people could see it, I would wear a sweater, a jacket, a turtleneck. And mind you, I lived in Miami growing up. 90 degree weather with a turtleneck was not fun. But it protected my mother from knowing the truth, and it also protected my mom from having to answer questions from a DCF agent, Department of Children and Family, before, any, before those that don't know what that is. Because I know all the states call it differently. <clears throat> I didn't hate my mom for not being around. I think it was more like the minute my other siblings came from where they lived, which is in my mom's home country, Honduras, my mother just stopped caring about me, the youngest. And she made them her priority. And I feel like that hurt not just me on an emotional level, but it also hurt my father on an emotional level because he thought that my mother was replacing him. And he needed someone to blame and he needed someone to be angry with. So he used me as a punching bag most of my life, <clears throat> among other things, obviously. A lot of people could sit and listen to the story and think like I'm talking like it's somebody else's life. Because as of right now, I don't feel anything towards it anymore. I recently spoke to someone that told me that she couldn't believe what I was telling her because it was hardcore. And I was like, but it happened. And it's okay. I don't judge you for not believing me. My youngest brother, my biological youngest brother, decided that he couldn't believe me because I had a lot of guy friends. <clears throat> and little did he know that the reason why I had so many guy friends was because as long as I had a boy in the house from the time I was 15 to the time I was 17, my father wouldn't try anything around them. Because most of my friends or most of the people that I considered friends in high school were football players, soccer players. You know, guys that looked like they were built like a building. And then if they punched, they would be built like a building. There was one person. He knew what was going on. And he made it his business to always be there as late as he could be without, you know, getting in trouble with his family. I think he realized that as long as he, someone was there with me, no one could hurt me. And I walked away. And I left. And I got to learn that family doesn't always have to be blood. To this day, me and my older siblings don't really talk. One of my older sisters wanted me to pretend that it didn't happen so my mother could go back to living in her bubble. She asked me, just tell her you lied about everything so mom can go back to living in her bubble and nothing will hurt you. And I looked at her and I told her, you expect me 
to lie about everything in my life. I went through everything, I'm telling you, and you expect me to tell the world and my mother that I lied. No. My mother can hate me for the rest of my life. My mother can choose not to love me for the rest of my life, and I will be fine because I am at peace with the fact that she knows that she married a monster and she let that monster continue being part of my life even though she saw him do something to me he wasn't supposed to. And to emphasize on that, I was 18 with my, when my mother told me that she had caught my father one time down there with either his mouth or his fingers. And he swore to her he would never do it again. Up and down, promised her he would never do it again. And my mom looked the other way. I don't remember how young I was. I don't even remember that happening. So I can't give you a clarification of when that happened. My mother said she saw it. I honestly learned to take her word at for a face, face value. Sorry, not completely like believer most of the time, but I don't think she was lying. She still has a relationship with him now. The two times I've gone back home, I've regretted it because my mother has allowed him to be so much part of her life that he still thinks he can run my life. And he's tried. Don't get me wrong. To hurt me, but I don't allow it. He hit me twice, may I add, while I was there. Though two times I was there. And I told him, I will respect the fact that my mother is around and I will not put my hands on you again. I'm not you. And the reason why you think I'm disrespecting you is because I no longer fear you. I don't like being in the same room as him. If I can avoid it, I will avoid it. If I can run from it, I will run from it. But I'm not proud, from the, I'm not proud about the fact that I avoid it or, or run from it. Because I'm no longer scared of him. I don't think I've been scared of him since I was 15. Is I protected my nephew from him beating him. That was it. That's the day I lost all fear for that man. He has no power over me anymore. He did at some point growing up, but not anymore. And my father can't handle when you tell him what happened to me because he doesn't want to admit that he did that. He doesn't want to admit to the world that he was a monster when I was growing up. That he abused and physically hurt his daughter for his own needs and pleasure because my mother wasn't home. I feel like <clears throat> it doesn't matter anymore. Like my family moved on from it. They live their life and I live mine 2,000 miles away from home. A lot of people have asked me if I'll ever move back home and my answer to that question is no. And it's not because the city itself and me have a lot of trauma. It isn't because my parents are still living there. It's just because I've never felt at a home in Miami. I always felt like I had to constantly run and constantly fear for my life at some point. And I don't like feeling like that. I don't like feeling like I can't go outside without needing something to hold on to. And I'm a grown adult and that's not a feeling I ever want to feel because it's a black hole that sinks you into places in my mind that I know never want to be in. I've been in there a couple of times, but like I've said in my episode where I talked about suicide. But I refuse to ever go back there again because I have a son that needs me. 
something that gave me the strength to walk away from things I didn't think I was going to be able to walk away from. As something that showed me that unconditional love does happen. And it does assist in this world as much as I, I thought that it didn't. And then one day, I will be able to tell him my story without it hurting so bad. And I'm not proud of keeping my abuse, whether that be mental, physical, sexual, or just in general, domestic abuse, a secret, but I did it to protect my mom. Because growing up, the biggest thing my father ever told me is like, if you ever tell your mom what's going on, I will kill her or I will beat her senseless. And I could handle the beatings. My body would get better. And, you know, maybe sometimes I couldn't breathe from certain things because, you know, he fractured a rib or something happened. But I protected her for as long as I could because my mom has a heart condition. And growing up, my mother was in the hospital in and out constantly. I tried to make her life less of a burden by not telling her what was going on. And at 15, I just think I couldn't keep it a secret anymore. I guess when my father got bored of playing with his toys, he put them up. And that's what he did with me at 15. He stopped for a little bit because there was always people coming in and out of the house. But that doesn't mean he wouldn't look at me like he wanted to kill me for saying no. Or because I was the reason he got kicked out of the house that we lived in. That my mother still lives in now. My mother and my father will choose to live in a bubble that prevents them from understanding that what he did was wrong and what she did was wrong. And that's okay. They can stay in that bubble for as long as they want to. I have not needed them since I was 10. Maybe even younger. I will no, I will no longer need them now that I'm older. My mother wants a relationship with her grandchild, but I refuse to let her be near my grandchild. Her her grandchild, not mine. If she is going to be around that man. Because my father has hurt too many people in my life. He strained the relationship my mother had with my other, my other siblings for a while. And he also strained my relationship with her. And honestly, I don't care for it. I don't care to have a relationship with either of them. I do it more for my peace of mind than theirs. And it also, I think, has to do with the fact that she didn't protect me when I needed her protection. She didn't love me enough to be around, and I didn't want her around. And he didn't, I guess, love me enough to stop drinking and doing what he was doing. I forgive them because I forgave them. It doesn't mean I want them in my life. One of my, I guess you call them counselors at school. I don't know what they're called because I used to call her a therapist, but she was a school counselor, would say... You can love your family, but you can love them from a distance. They don't have to be up and close in your personal life, every on your day-to-day -day life. You want to know why? Because until you learn to put a boundary between them and you, you will never be able to live your life the way you want it to. And it's going to hurt you, and it's going to affect your relationships with everybody else. And she was not wrong when she said that. For as long as I had my family in my life, none of my relationships worked. Or that be my relationship with the father of my son and my marriage to the father of my son. It didn't work because my mother needed me and I was there. And then after that, my relationship with other people, I just, they didn't like who I was around my family, I guess. 
I feel like I had to pretend to be perfect to my family to be able to look at me in any, any way, shape, or form that wasn't looking at me like if I was the black sheep of the family, I've messed up something in their life. And I was okay with it. I walked away from it. Maybe not in one piece, but I walked away from it. I lost a lot of great people because of my family. And when I realized that, I was like, you know what? I think it's time I listened to my junior counselor and just put my family at a distance. I don't talk to them. They don't talk to me. I don't call them. They don't call me. And the only person I still call every once in a while is my mom just to make sure she's still alive while I'm breathing. Because she still has that heart condition and I don't want her dying without me knowing. I'm not trying to sound insensitive to death. I just, I grew emotionally unattached to anything happened to to either of them. Because when I was needing their their assistance and their love in my life, they couldn't give it to me. So why why what should I? I guess that's my mentality. I do not hate either of them, but I, I I no longer choose to have them in my life. And I feel like my mom is mad at me for it because she wants me in her life, and I tell her no until she chooses which one she wants. She can't have the best of both worlds, and I refuse to give her the best of both worlds. If she wants to still be part of that man's life, then she can keep that man. She just won't have me around or her grandson around. And I do it to protect me and my son because I don't need that negativity in his life. He is too little to understand what negativity is. He'll probably understand it when he's older, when he's in high school or middle school because we both know when we're in those ages. Our bodies go through change. People around us go through change. They have to start seeing us maybe as teenagers and not kids anymore. When my son is go- when my son goes through that, I will be there to help him. I will be there to love him for the rest of my life. I will show him that yes, the world is a very dark and scary place because there is not enough light in this world. But it, as as easily as I can be, as it can be bad, as as easily as I can be good to you, you just have to learn to balance those two things out. I promised myself the day my son was born that I would protect him from the world, even if that meant I had to protect myself from the emotional turmoil of seeing him turn into an adult. I am not ready for the teenage years or the I'm grown enough to live on my own years. But I will be there regardless of whether he understands it at that age or not. Because I would have wanted someone to be there for me when I was growing up. And if it wasn't my friends, I don't think I really had anyone I could talk to. My family wanted to pretend the abuse wasn't happening, so they barely visited. And my mother was so busy working, she never noticed. So, it hurts, but I learned to be okay. I learned to walk away from it, even if it broke me. Even if my my life from the time I was 18 and younger... But a very big part of my life, I walked away. Because it wasn't worth it and because it wasn't needed. Do I still carry the pain and the memories with me? Yes, I do. But I will be okay. I will come out stronger than I did five years ago when I was 20. I was in a very dark place then. Not so much now, but I was back then. And I th- I told you guys a little bit about it in my suicide episode. 
but I think I haven't really divulged too much of that part of my life. When I had my son, I wasn't mentally ready or emotionally ready for him. And when I will not sit here and lie to you, I wasn't. He was born preemie, so baby blues happened. That's what grown-ups call it, but I medically call it postpartum depression. This is the second time I admit to that. And then you add the fact that I already have PTSD and anxiety and it doesn't end well. And I feel like that's why my my mind went to such a dark place. Because he was so little and so fragile and I felt like I didn't do a good job at keeping him inside me and protecting him. But all in all, I realized that just because I felt that way doesn't mean it was true. Because now, as you see, he's five. He's a full-grown little boy, has more sass than I can handle, and is the best thing that ever happened to me. And I feel like that, for me, means a lot. And I know that my fear was there for a reason, and my feelings of feeling like I failed them were there for a reason. I felt like I always had the feeling of failing everybody in my life because I couldn't protect myself. But I learned that superheroes exist in movies and if you can protect yourself and those that you hold dear, then you're okay. And I promise you, it gets easier. It gets easier to talk about the trauma. It gets easier to talk about the abuse. One day, you'll sit there and you'll be able to talk about everything. And like I always say, even if you're in a stage in your life where you think you're okay, it is okay not to be okay. I forgive you what you need even though you're not ready for it. And take it. With, an arms, with your arms wide open. Because maybe life is trying to give you something you need without you knowing you need it. Do I still cry about what happened to me? Sometimes. Can I process those emotions like normal people do? No. I don't process things like normal people do. It takes me a while. I, I get angry very easily because of it. Because I, I hate feeling like I'm not held responsible or accountable for what I can feel. Like, or let me correct that. I meant like I can't feel in control of it. And it bothers me. But I've learned to be okay with that part of me. And I promise you it does get better. And one day, you'll be able to tell the world your story without feeling scared. I know that I'm in pain. I will be probably for a very long time in my life. But I'm a lot happier and a lot freer than I was five years ago. And I will continue to heal from the pain I have inside my heart. And one day I'll be able to cry all the sadness out of my heart to make room for happy memories. More happy memories than I already have. And I will have everything I want. Even if sometimes wanting things scares me. But fear is okay.
because it's natural and it's normal. Remember something, you are perfect the way you are. Don't change for anyone. Be who you really are and be proud of it. Thank you for joining me today on Trauma and Healing Go Hand in Hand. I hope you reached the end of the episode and I I hope you learned something more today about me that you didn't know back then. By that I mean six episodes ago. I hope that you continue to listen to it. And if you want to sponsor me or support me, if you listen through Spotify or Anchor, there is a link at the beginning of my, like at the end of my description of my podcast that you can click and donate so I can have money to buy a microphone and stuff to continue the episodes going. It does help if you also follow me. I like to hear feedback. If you want to tell me what you want to hear next, just write in the comment or leave a message and I will try to think about ways that I can incorporate what you want to want to listen to into my podcast. I am happy that I have listeners. I'm happy that I get to I get to see you guys. I do track it every once in a while. And I hope to see you next Wednesday. Bye guys.